Praise the Lord. It's good to be in the house of the Lord this morning. And as I stand in the house of the Lord this morning, under the anointing of the Holy Ghost, I declare to you that it is good to be in the house of the Lord today. Amen. And the presence of the anointed one. Every song that was sung was so in tune with the message today. It all sung about Jesus. It all sung about his love. How many know that he is love? And today, Jesus wants to pour out his love upon this body today. I'm not going to um, mess around with a lot of formalities today or any of that preacher etiquette this morning. And I haven't come to campaign. I'm simply just a messenger today with a message. So if you have your Bibles, you can turn to Isaiah 42, verse 3. To put it up there on the screen or not. Isaiah 42 and verse 3 says, A bruised reed he will not break, and a smoldering wick he will not snuff out. In faithfulness he will bring forth justice. Father, today, Lord, we're here to hear your word. We're here to hear you speak to our hearts, God, Lord, as only you can. Because, God, you do it in such a special way. There's nobody can express love or give love or administer love like you. And I'm asking for that spirit, Lord, to be upon this congregation today. From the front to the back, every individual soul today, God, will feel your love and your presence. We're here today, God, Lord, to worship you, to lift you up, and to give you praise in all things. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Isaiah had prophesied of this scripture around the year 725 B.C. And I want to read it one more time. It says, a bruised reed he will not break, and a smoldering wick he'll not snuff out. In faithfulness, he will bring forth justice. This was actually a descriptive prophecy. Isaiah gave a description of the demeanor and of the compassion that the coming Messiah would have for his people, that he would be so gentle he wouldn't break a bruised reed and so compassionate for the weak. He proclaimed there is one coming to bring justice and victory to their lives. And it was contrary to the many religious leaders who assumed and taught the Messiah would come as a powerful judge and he'd come as a mighty military type leader. The religious authorities thought he would be so much like themselves and that he would come and he would clean up Israel of the filth of the sinners in which they despised. That he'd come and he would enforce their laws and hammer the sinners with it. But this was not his plan at all. It was a total mischaracterization of him. His plan was his heavenly father's plan. Who sent him to seek and save that which is lost. Who anointed him to preach the gospel to the poor. Who sent him to heal the brokenhearted. To preach deliverance to the captives. And recovering a sight to the blind, to set at liberty them that are bruised. To set at liberty them that are bruised, church, that's still his plan today. There are so many people who are bruised on the inside. They have internal wounds that have afflicted their minds and their wills and their emotions. On the inside, they feel like they're dying a slow death. Their wounds have gone unattended to, so they've just been covered up like a scab been suppressed and carried around for years. Their pains no one really knows about. They've been caused by childhood abuse, spousal abuse, 
sexual abuse, rejection, emotional trauma, tragedies, accidents. They live today bruised inside because they've suffered injustices by family members, by husbands, by wives, by teachers and friends, and yes, even churches. Oh, some may have moved on, but they carry this baggage along on the inside with them everywhere they go. Some never moved on. They have actually digressed and have sat and they've wallowed in their emotional sufferings. Haunted by, I'm not good enough. I'll never be. I will never have. It was all my fault. Nobody likes me. I'm stupid. I'm a failure. There are bruised reeds, fragile people who wear their feelings on their sleeves, often misjudged by their outward expressions and by their conduct. They're guarded. They have walls built. They have an ax to grind. Sometimes they're very vocal. Sometimes they're very quiet. Often they're lonely, living secluded lives. Due to the bruising within them, they are wounded people. In this scripture, a bruised reed is referring to someone who has suffered an injury, whether it be physical, emotional, or spiritual, at some point in their life that has left them wounded or scarred. A smoldering wicket speaks of. Is referring to a wick like that in an old-fashioned oil lamp when it remains barely lit and is in danger of going out. Being comparative to someone who's barely holding on, barely surviving, someone who's about to give up, about to throw in the towel. It describes how in one instance the process has begun which will continue will end in destruction. In the other one, a process has begun. If it continues, it will bring forth a bright flame. It will survive. In verse 3 of this passage, as Isaiah writes about a bruised reed, the English word bruised does not fully convey what Isaiah is trying to teach us about who he's talking about here. The word bruise is a weak word because we experience bruises all the time. So what's the big deal with a bruise? We bruise our knee or maybe we bruise our elbow or we bruise our heel and it goes away after a short period of time, right? The English word can lead one to misinterpretation of the kind of bruising that he's talking about. He's not talking about a physical outward bruise. He's talking about emotional and inward bruises. In the Hebrew language, the word we translate in the English as bruise is a word that means crushed. It implies a deep contusion. This is not merely a break in the skin externally, but rather a break internally that has injured or destroyed vital organs. Isaiah is talking about maybe something you don't see on the surface, but it's hidden on the inside. On the outside, you appear fine, but on the inside, you're so crushed. You're so brokenhearted that you literally feel like you're dying from the emotional suffering of the bruises. And Isaiah is saying, it is the reed that is crushed, the heart, the mind, the soul. The reed is like a stalk of grain that is broken, crushed. At such an angle, it'll never produce grain again. But at the same time, this servant that is coming, that Isaiah, Isaiah is writing about, he's able to do something no one else can do. He can heal the crushed reed so it can produce again, so it can be productive again, so it can live again, so it can love again, so it can smile again, so it can sing again, so it can dance again, so it can shout again. He knows how to heal a bruised reed. Someone who's so fragile and sensitive and inferior and never break the reed. 
but he can make it whole again. How? Because of his unique gentleness and tenderness. Because of his love for you. It's what he was anointed to do. He'll bruise reeds like you and I. We also find this scripture to be repeated in Matthew 12 and 20. When Matthew wrote these words, he was quoting the prophecy of Isaiah to remind the people that Jesus was the one Isaiah said would come and do what he's doing in their midst. Jesus was going around healing every manner of disease and sickness. This prophecy pointed to the actions and the demeanor of the coming Messiah, which now has been revealed to be Jesus Christ. It pointed out that he was coming for the bruised and the ones who were about to give up the smoldering wicks to heal the bruised and to fan the flames of their faith and promising he'll bring justice and victory to their lives when he comes. Today, in this congregation alone, there are those who are bruised like a reed. You've been hurt. You've been wounded by life. Your life is comparative to a bruised reed. And then there are those about to give up on their lives, their faith, their callings, their dreams. They're barely holding on this morning. Well, in this prophecy, the bruised reed and the smoldering wick refer to the spiritual, physical, or morally weak. Citing in comparison to mankind, a reed that is bruised may be damaged, but it's not irreparable when Christ comes. And also in comparison to mankind, a smoldering wick may be about to lose its fire altogether, but it can still be reignited even if there's just a little spark when Christ comes. Jesus declared in Mark 2, referring to himself as that of a physician. He declared he didn't come for the healthy, he came for the sick. There again, referring to those who are spiritually, physically, and morally weak. At the beginning of Matthew 12, we find the disciples, they're walking through a grain field with Jesus, and they're picking grain, and they're eating it just to satisfy their hunger. Jesus is always using every moment as a chance to teach his disciples. This day was no different. Now, according to Deuteronomy 23:25, grain picking was a lawful activity in that day, but to only be done at a certain time. It could only be done as man's laws permitted. The Pharisees were always quick to condemn Jesus' actions. They questioned Jesus' actions as legality on this particular day because it was the Sabbath, and they were picking grain to feed their hunger. They accused the disciples of harvesting grain, and therefore they were all guilty of laboring on the Sabbath day, which was not lawful. And Jesus explains to his disciples that doing good on the Sabbath was acceptable and that there was something bigger going on here than simply observing a holy day. He went on to explain that the Pharisees condemned the innocent due to their misunderstanding the scripture which said, I desire mercy, not sacrifice. And while the Pharisees sought to judge those who do not suffer piety, Jesus sought to grant mercy to all of them. A little later, the Pharisees once again challenged Jesus. We find this in Matthew 12.10 by asking him this time, is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath? And Jesus again made a case for mercy, again by healing a disfigured man's hand right there before their eyes. And he went on even to heal all who were ill that day in a large crowd that was following him, according to verse 15. Jesus warned the crowd not to mention his miracles. He performed to anyone else in verse 16. Jesus' instructions for secrecy here then prompted Matthew to quote the ancient prophecy of Isaiah, 
who had declared this is what Christ will do when he comes. Heal his people spiritually, physically, and morally. Bringing Isaiah's words into a new light with the revelation of the Messiah's identity. Here is my servant whom I uphold, my chosen one in whom I delight. I will put my spirit upon him, and he will bring justice to the nations. Did you hear that, America? Don't give up yet. He's going to bring justice to this nation. He will not shout or cry out or raise his voice in the streets. A bruised reed he will not break, and a smoldering wick he'll not snuff out. In faithfulness, he'll bring forth justice. Hallelujah. See, to the world, a bruised reed is a worthless thing, and it's becoming more so every day. The value of human life has never been so devalued in all of history. Every day, over 44,000 innocent lives of babies are being aborted. The elderly are being treated as they have nothing to contribute to society any longer. They're just counted now as dead weight. Look at how they were treated in the nursing home scandal in New York during the pandemic. The disabled are being rejected as unproductive. The mentally ill being simply just cast out. To the world, the bruised reed has no power, no stability, and no purpose. It is good for nothing but to be cut down and discarded. So as it is in the world, there are many people that have become bruised. Individuals who have been wounded emotionally, spiritually, and physically. They're feeble. They feel all alone. They feel worthless. And to most of the world, they are dispensable. They're just a basket of deplorables, as many politicians declare. But can I tell you that it's not so with God? That each and every one of us, I don't care who you are, you were uniquely created by God for a purpose. You were made one of one. There's no one else like you in this world. There are six billion people in the world, and there's not another thumbprint the same as yours. That's how unique you are. God didn't make trash. He only made this beautiful creation that when blended together makes a masterpiece created by the master. Red, yellow, black, or white, you are precious in his sight. Hallelujah. Give God praise for his love. Life is hard and the world is cruel and you'll suffer things. But you can't continue to try to live wounded and be all God has called you to be. It's time to quit being someone's victim and be a victorious person. A lot of times we suffer consequences to our own actions. But if we should sin, he says he's faithful and just to forgive us of all sin and cleanse us of all unrighteousness. And we must repent so the times of refreshing can come back to our lives. And you can easily do that today at this altar. You can come today and you can make things right. He came to save the lost. But there are those who've suffered injustices that they never, ever deserved. They were hurt by another's actions. They were victims of someone's crime. They were wounded by someone that they loved. They were rejected by their peers. Isaiah said in verse 4, not only would he not, what, only would he not break a bruised reed or snuff out a smoldering wick, but he said in faithfulness he will bring forth justice. In the NLT version, it says it like this. He'll not crush the weakest reed or put out a flickering candle. He will bring justice to all who have wronged you. To all who have wronged you. 
God says, vengeance is mine. There's going to be a payday for the offenders. In other words, he will right your wrongs, and he'll deal with those who have wrongfully hurt you. Now, let me dig in on something for here for just a moment. A lot of people who've been bruised often deal with unforgiveness in their hearts. And the unforgiveness prevents the heart from healing. It's like an infection in a wound keeping it from healing. So many people don't understand what forgiving means. Many people refuse to forgive because they feel like when they do, they're letting their offender off the hook. When the truth of the matter is it actually lets you off the hook and it frees you from their power that they've had over you. Until you truly forgive, you will constantly be a slave to your offender. He will control a lot of your actions. The offense of the offender will control your mind and your will and your emotions. It will end up making you bitter and not better. And therefore, your wounds cannot heal. You see, we are commanded by Christ to forgive. And refusing to forgive leads to unforgiveness, which is sinful. Jesus deals specifically with this issue in Matthew 6.15. He says, But if you do not forgive others their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. He says, I can't even forgive you until you forgive them. You're not letting them off the hook by forgiving Remember, he says he will bring justice to all who have wronged you. The battle is the Lord's. Quit fighting that battle. Quit putting so much time and effort into trying to hate someone and go ahead and be you and be free. Hallelujah. Because as long as you carry the grudge, you'll never be free. You'll always remain wounded. And it's affecting you in your life more than you really know that it is. Let me tell you of a true story. It was in the days when we were in Ninth and Cedar Church. I preached a whole message on this thing called unforgiveness. And at the end of preaching the message, I was shocked to my left. I gave an altar call. And a white-haired lady to my left, whom I knew, who had been in the church a long time, came walking to the altar, found her a place at the altar. And when she got up weeping, she came and she hugged me. And she said, Pastor Randy, for 33 years, I've had unforgiveness to my ex-husband. And today I laid it at the altar, and I've never felt so free in all of my life. True story. Hallelujah. The reason what happened 10 years ago still hurts today is because you're still wounded. I know a lot of us have some battle scars and life has given us. But do you truly understand the difference between being scarred or wounded? If it still hurts, you're still wounded. You haven't healed. If you've been scarred, you still remember, but it doesn't hurt anymore. My wrist has a scar on it. I had surgery right there. There's a scar. I remember what happened, but it doesn't hurt no more. It's healed. And if it still hurts you, you're not healed. If you still can't talk about it without it hurting, 
You're not healed yet. You're still wounded. And unforgiveness will become like an infection in a wound. It'll make you bitter and not better. You'll never be able to be whole. And I have come to tell you today, by the authority of Jesus Christ, let it go. Let it go. Let it go. Until you do, you are bound by the offender to suffer because of his or her action for years, affecting future relationships and quality of life. Now, right here, I'm going to interject a movie clip right here that I selected, and I will tell you it's not the best of quality because nowadays, with all the rules and regulations, sometimes you can't get really good, clear clips, but it's going to be good enough for us to see and get the point, I believe. I want to illustrate the power of forgiveness. I want to set this up. The young girl in the clip has suffered abuse in her childhood due to the neglect of her mother to protect her as well as her mother's abusive ways, putting a strain on their relationship for years and years. And the wounds are so deep, causing her to fear a relationship with any man that to that point that when she finally meets a good man who truly wants to love her, she puts up a guard, afraid to let anyone in because she's emotionally bruised on the inside. She finally realizes for her to ever go forward she had to let the past go and forgive the offenders. I want you to watch this short clip of the determination that it takes to forgive, let go, and move on. But I also want you to see the power of forgiveness and how it releases you to God's better plan for your life. If you guys would put that up, please. Turn it up, Danny. Turn up, Danny. It's powerful. You can see at the moment that she tells her offender that she forgives her, you can see the tide change. You can see the release take place in her life. She's finally confronted him and told him no longer would she be their tragedy. So many have allowed things of their past rob them of their future happiness, even wanting to hold on to what God is wanting you to let go of because he's got something better for you. You're afraid to love again? It's time to let God remove the walls that not only keep others out, but it also just keeps you in. Let's move on. That's a big issue. The prophecy that Jesus fulfilled is that the bruised reed he will not break. It's a prophecy that speaks of Christ's tender, compassionate care for the weak and the downtrodden. The disfigured man whom Jesus met in Matthew 12, he was a bruised reed. And Jesus gave him strength and cured his shriveled hand, physical healing. 
The woman who was caught in adultery in John 8 was a bruised reed. And Jesus saved her life from a stoning and forgave her of her sins. She was morally bruised. Jairus was a bruised reed. He mourned his daughter's death. But Jesus strengthened his faith and raised her from the dead. Emotional and physical healing. The woman with the issue of blood in Luke 8 was a bruised reed. And Jesus restored her to her full health. The disciple Peter became a bruised reed after his denial of the Lord. But Jesus gently, lovingly renewed him back to fellowship with him after the resurrection. He fanned the smoldering wick in Peter's life, causing his faith to reignite again. And Peter went on to do great exploits for the kingdom of God. Over and over in the Gospels, we see Jesus caring for the bruised reeds of the world. And I can tell you nothing Nothing has changed still yet today. For Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. What he cared about then, he still cares about today and forever, and that is you. He sees the bruises. You can hide them from the world, but you can't from him. Jesus understands the bruised reed. Why? Because he, too, was bruised by those closest to him, rejected by them, forsaken by them, by those who vowed they would never deny him, but they did. Have you ever given much thought to that? It's true. In Isaiah 53 and 5, it declares, he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. And the chastisement of our peace was upon him. And by his stripes, because of his suffering, church, we are healed. No one can better understand what you're going through than someone who has actually been through what you're going through. And Jesus Christ has then felt every pain that you have ever felt. He actually learned obedience through his sufferings. For we serve not a high priest who cannot be touched by the feelings of our infirmities. There's nothing that you feel that he hasn't felt in his humanity upon this earth himself. Dying on an old rugged cross... Not for his sins, but for yours and mine. What an injustice. But he didn't harbor unforgiveness towards us. Not even the ones who crucified him. No matter of fact, he prayed, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. When he took the sins of the world upon his shoulders, and he bled and he died to redeem us so that we could be free, our Heavenly Father had to turn away at that moment he couldn't look upon the sin. And Jesus cries out, my God, my God, why has thou forsaken me? He felt what it was like for the very first time to be separated from the Father. During that moment, he took away the sins of the world. God is not a respecter of persons. Those who come to Christ, he'll not despise. They have this promise from Jesus that he declared in Isaiah 61 and 1. God has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted. You may be a bruised reed in some way today. You may have carried something hidden inside for years, and you've tried to grin, and you've tried to bear it, but it still hurts. It still gets your attention. It still serves as a reminder of an injustice that you experienced. You need to let Christ heal the wound and bind the bruise. You may be pressed down with troubles of this world. 
You may be struggling with doubt and fear. You may be feeble and disheartened and ready to break. But know this. Jesus cares about you. And he knows exactly where you're at and what you're going through. He will have pity for the brokenhearted. He'll be gentle and tender to the bruised reed. He'll be compassionate to the humble and the frail. He'll be affectionate to the repentant. He'll give healing to the afflicted today. You can come to him today by faith. Never forget, it's a faith walk. It's you walking up here by faith, believing God is talking to me today. And by faith, I can cast all my troubles and my hurts and my pains upon him because by faith, I believe that he is the Lord God that healeth thee. See, a reed typically grows in the marshland. It's very fragile. Let a wild duck land on it, and it snaps. Or just let the foot of a man brush against it, and it becomes bruised and broken that easily. And every wind that blows across the river and reaches it, moves it to and fro, it's that weak. There is nothing more frail or brittle or whose existence is more in jeopardy than a bruised reed because it can break so easily. Then look at the smoldering wick. What is it? It is a once brightly lit wick that is slowly diminished. It has a spark still left within it, but it's almost smothered out. It's so faint that an infant's breath could possibly blow it out. It's so weak. Nothing has more of a precarious existence than its flame. It could go out at any moment due to the uncertainty of conditions. This scripture speaks of how easily we can become bruised or smothered by life, wounds, and burdens too heavy to carry on our own. But this scripture also speaks of how no matter how weak or frail we become, Jesus is tender and he's gentle enough to touch us without breaking us or smothering us out. Isaiah speaks of the Messiah who was to come. Explain that when he does come, he would not never break a tender or fragile person. That indeed, Jesus would be gentle to the lost and to the weak. Jesus told the teachers of the law that he came to seek and save that which is lost. He was moved with compassion for the weary and the scattered who were like sheep who have no shepherd. While on the other side, the Pharisees, the religious folks, sought to break all who considered to be less than perfect keepers of the law. And still today, none of us are perfect. Therefore, we are in need of the only perfect one, the anointed one, Jesus Christ, who has come to gently mend those who have become bruised. If there is a smoldering rick, rather than snuff it out, he wants to reignite it. He wants to fan it. Often those who came to Jesus were barely making it because of their poor situations. So many were down to nothing. For many, he was their last hope. So many were so close to giving up till he showed up. And Christ would take any of them who just had a little spark of hunger for him. And he would fan the smoldering wick until it was bright again, until it was back on fire again. And although Jesus was incredibly gentle, he was absolutely faithful in his commitment to justice for mankind. Christ is so attracted to the bruised, to the battered, to the hopeless, 
He's so invested in our wounded condition that he literally came down from heaven to us in order to heal our bruises. Unlike anyone else in history, Jesus Christ, this suffering servant, is attracted to the hopeless cases. He loves the fragile. He understands the pain. He loves healing people who have been beaten and battered and bruised. There's a lot of bruised people in our world. Some are sitting in here today, spiritually or physically or emotionally or morally bruised. And these bruises I speak of don't show on the outside, but on the inside, you feel like you're dying. Some are bruised because of recent hurts, grieving emotionally. But some of you have had them for many, many years, and they have affected you in so many ways. They've had, they have caused you to struggle within relationships. They've caused you to struggle with trusting anyone. They've caused you to struggle with walking in your faith. They have led to emotional depression and oppression. They have led to addictions, even to thoughts of suicide because the constant pain is so unbearable. If we only knew how many, why is there so much shame in confessing we're bruised and we need to be healed? Well, pride is definitely an obstacle. But it's more of a deceit of a plan of Satan. He's the one that's truly buffeting you. He doesn't want the stake that he's placed in the wound removed. He likes to come by and remind you of it. And he grinds it into it deeper and deeper. Because he knows that this thing is stifling and destroying your life. Your regrets are overwhelming. We all have them. You can't change the past. True. But what you can change is what you do from this moment forward. The memorable mistakes, the failures, the shame are all bruises on the inside of you. Jesus wants to heal you. He wants to reignite your flame. You still got a spark in you or you wouldn't even be here today. You just need to let him come today and let him fan it. If it still hurts, you're not healed yet. And I came to tell you, there is one here today, the great physician, Jesus Christ, who will not break a bruised reed, but with gentleness, he will help you heal your wounds. And all you got to do is respond to his love today. It's time to deal with it. If you've got unforgiveness at heart, you need to release it today. You need to let it go. As long as you have to carry the, the weight of hating someone, they'll always reign over you. God says, vengeance is mine. It's to set you free, not them. It may leave a scar, but it won't hurt anymore. Jesus, after being resurrected, showed the disciples his nail-scarred hands. The scars reminded him of what happened to him, but they didn't hurt no more because they'd been healed because he forgave those who had crucified him. Unforgiveness leads to bitterness, wrath, and even sin. It's time for you not to be their tragedy anymore but to find victory through Jesus. That is what God's wanting to do with so many lives in here today. Heal you so you can produce again, so that you can live again, so that you can love again, so you can trust again, so you can sing again, you can dance again, you can have joy again. 
Come on, somebody. God is wanting to bring justice and victory to this house today. He wants to right some wrongs. There ought to be cries of victory going out in this place today because justice is going to be served in the house of the Lord today. You are right. You didn't deserve what you got. And the righteous judge is here today to release you from your bonds, to break the chains of bondage off of your life. He's here to heal you, to heal the bruised, and to ignite the smoldering wicks. He's about to set the church on fire. Would my musicians come? Would you please stand?